The views and opinions of findings and or devices discussed in this podcast are those of the host, subject matter experts, and or guests. Facts represented constitute our understanding at the time of the podcast, whereas updated factual information may be developed. They should not be construed as pronouncing an official Department of Defense's position, policy, decision, or endorsement. The hosts and guests of Cubist may be defense contract personnel who support the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, or TBICOE. Status of all hosts and guests will be identified during introductions to the podcast. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or Cubist, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the TBI Center of Excellence, or TBICOE. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Monty, a contractor in support of TBICOE. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Keith Stucy, a family practice sports medicine physician and TBI subject matter expert, also a contractor supporting TBICOE. Keith and I will discuss a study entitled Early Intervention Treatment in the First Two Weeks Following Concussion in Adults, a Systematic Review of Randomized Controlled Trials by Dr. Sonia Moore and colleagues and published in Physical Therapy and Sport in January 2024. Keith, thanks for bringing this article to our attention. So why was the study done? Hi, Katie. Well, you know, we know that concussion management is important due to large personal, financial, and healthcare burden in both the civilian sector and in the military. In fact, since 2000, there have been over 485,000 reported traumatic brain injuries in the military, 82% of which were concussions, a term that we use synonymously with mild traumatic brain injury, or MTBI. Clearly, this has been a significant cost to troop readiness and both short-term and long-term disability. The natural time course of concussion recovery is characterized by the resolution of presenting symptoms and physiological sequelae, which occur on different trajectories and can be difficult to measure. Nevertheless, typical clinical symptom resolution occurs within two weeks post-injury, with further clinical evaluation recommended for symptoms that persist beyond four weeks. Early active intervention has been substantiated in the management of concussion, and international concussion management guidelines recommend a proactively staged protocol, including a relative physical and cognitive rest with a graduated stepwise approach to return to daily function and exercise. However, the impact of specific early interventions on concussion symptoms, either collectively or independently, still remains unclear. Because each concussion clinical course is variable, establishing a singular treatment for all individuals that sustain a concussion is really not appropriate. Treatment is typically tailored to the individual symptoms and recovery course, but further evidence is needed to determine which early symptom-led treatment interventions are effective. The purpose of this paper was to systematically review the efficacy of early non-pharmacological and pharmacological interventions initiated within two weeks of injury of symptoms and functional recovery of adults with concussion. Specifically, they were interested in early interventions that were meant to impact the natural symptom progression and recovery of concussion as measured by a spectrum of clinical and functional outcomes. Interesting, Keith. I know that when I was treating active duty service members, there seemed to be quite a bit of diversity in how concussed patients presented, such as which symptoms they had and how they recovered. Can you describe in more detail how the investigators performed this systematic review and how many studies were included in the review? Certainly, Katie. So they conducted a systematic review of randomized controlled trials, or RCTs, 
published after the first International Symposium on Concussion in Sport back in 2001, when the contemporary concussion definition was developed and consistent with previous systematic reviews. They utilized the preferred reporting items for systematic reviews and meta-analysis, or PRISMA guidelines. These are frequently used when authors do a systematic review. So the study inclusion criteria include adult participants 18 years or older who are diagnosed with concussion or MTBI of any cause and without any concomitant or mitigating diagnosis. I just want to point out that the authors did not specifically talk about what these mitigating diagnoses were. Studies were included if an intervention began within 14 days post-injury and included a comparison intervention arm, which could include control, usual care, or any other treatment. Primary outcomes included concussion symptoms and functional recovery outcome measures reported at any time point within three months post-injury. I'd also like to mention that the authors did look at secondary outcomes beyond the three-month period, but for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to focus on the primary outcomes as I feel this information is most important for our listeners. So once all the duplicates were removed, there were 3,854 articles that were identified from database searching. Of these, 3,454 were excluded following title and abstract screening. Of the remaining 400 studies screened via full text, 11 studies were included in the final review, totaling 2,320 participants. Primary outcome data from these 11 studies were categorized into five main domains, education, physical activity and exercise, rest, manual therapy, and pharmacotherapy. A sixth domain that included two studies looked at early clinical intervention but did not report any early primary outcomes. Also of note, the authors used a tool called the Risk of Bias 2, or ROB2, when doing their reviews. They specifically mentioned this risk with all of the studies they reviewed. Bias is an important factor when reviewing medical literature as studies with high risk of bias are less reliable and have questionable validity. That sounds interesting, Keith. Can you speak to the findings of the 11 studies regarding the domains that the authors identified? Yeah, Katie, great question. I'm going to give you a very brief overview of each category, and certainly I'd encourage our listeners to read the article for more details. First, let's discuss education. One of the studies showed no difference between standard, written, and verbal discharge instructions and the addition of video discharge instructions, while the other study interestingly showed an average decrease of 1.20 symptoms with a p-value of 0.031 in the control group, which included usual care of standard emergency department discharge instructions when compared to the brief educational intervention group. Both of these studies had a high risk of bias. Next, they looked at physical activity and exercise. Three studies investigated the effects of physical activity and exercise on symptoms within the early post-concussive period and reported no difference in post-concussion symptom score, or PCSS, at two and four weeks post-ED discharge. The control group received MTBI information and intracranial injury observation instructions. In addition, the intervention group received detailed discharge instructions for cognitive rest and guided graduated return to usual activities based on the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention Acute Concussion Evaluation, or ACE, care plan. One of the studies showed no difference in the median number of healthcare provider follow-up visits, missed days of school or work, and unplanned ED visits within 30 days post-injury when compared to the control group. 
Another study showed no significant differences between the groups for median days of concussion symptom recovery with an intervention of daily stationary bike riding and associated high levels of vigorous physical exertion with delayed recovery time. The comparison group was instructed not to undertake any physical activity beyond usual daily activities such as walking. Note that two of the three studies were considered low risk of bias, and the authors did not comment on the third study. Next is rest. One study evaluated the effects of advising concussed patients to take full bed rest for six days compared to no bed rest and found that the full bed rest group had less dizziness within the first four days post-injury and reduced post-traumatic complaints of feeling faint at two weeks post-injury. There was a high risk of bias rating for this study. Next is manual therapy. Using a large osteopathic manipulative medicine clinical trial, they found a statistically significant within-group decrease in symptom number and symptom severity at 48 to 72 hours post-manual therapy. I should note that the group that wrote this article were all physical therapists, so I'm sure this was a significant interest to them. In both of these studies, there was a high risk of bias. Lastly, regarding pharmacotherapy, only one study evaluated pharmacologic treatment for symptoms of acute concussion. They found no significant differences in neurologic recovery or adverse events with the torvastatin administration. Interestingly, this review did not include studies using medications that are commonly prescribed early in the course of treatment for a concussion, such as NSAIDs. The ROB2 assessment returned a domain rating of some concerns of bias. And I just want to note that there were two studies that looked at clinical intervention. One initiated early interventions of telephone counseling, and the other used multidisciplinary team management within the first 14 days but they did not report any outcome measures within three months post-injury. So the authors did not comment specifically on these studies. Thanks, Keith. So what are the key takeaways for primary care providers in the military? You know, overall, this review did not conclude with any certainty that any specific intervention was superior to another in the first two weeks following concussion, measured either symptomatically or functionally. These interventions included usual care, education, and rest. There was some indication of early symptom relief following manual therapy and less restriction of activity participation at six months following telephone counseling, while vigorous exercise could delay recovery. That's something that we've already known. There were several interesting findings I'd like to discuss. First, multiple previous articles have shown the importance and benefits of concussion education and we traditionally teach providers the concept of expectation management when treating individuals with concussion. The two studies they reviewed regarding education run contrary to this and showed either no difference with additional video instructions or less symptoms with only ED discharge instructions versus additional brief instructions. I thought that was interesting as well. Perhaps it's the method of education delivery that seems not to make a significant difference in those outcomes. Yeah, that's a good point, Katie. And I do think that the results of these education intervention studies undermine the evidence that supports concussion psychoeducation. The other finding I'd like to discuss is the issue of bed rest. As stated previously, they found the full bed rest group reported less dizziness within four days of injury and less complaints of feeling faint at two weeks post-injury. While this may have shown benefit for this single specific symptom, this finding certainly runs contrary to multiple studies that have clearly shown that full bed rest worsens outcomes and delays recoveries in individuals with concussion. I therefore would look at this article as an outlier 
to current recommendations in treating concussion. And I think this is really an important point for listeners. We no longer recommend this full bed rest or cocooning, as we used to call it. So these findings do nothing to refute the most recent consensus recommendations put out by both the Sixth International Conference on Concussion and Sport from 2022 and TBICOE's Progressive Return to Activity, or PRA, which was developed in 2021, that recommends a graded relative rest to return to activity or full-duty framework with treatments targeted towards recovery of specific symptoms. Therefore, I'd recommend primary care providers continue to follow these guidelines when treating service members with concussion. Keith, what were the limitations of the study? So first off, I feel that when doing any type of systematic review, especially one that looks at concussion management, you run into variations in diagnostic criteria and nomenclature that make it difficult to compile broad recommendations from different articles. Next, as part of their inclusion criteria, they used a 90-day period for their recovery timeframe. While some use this as a definition for, quote, acute concussion and a recovery, we know that most individuals typically recover within the first few weeks post-injury. Therefore, this prolonged time frame may not give an accurate picture of the effect of early interventions. There is a myriad of factors that contribute to prolonged recovery, and these nuances make it difficult to associate any intervention with positive or negative outcomes. The spectrum of concussion symptoms, natural neurodiversity, and complexity of neurocognitive function gives reason to consider that people may respond differently to different interventions, including consideration of pre-injury characteristics. Current research does not incorporate such stratification, which may be a clinically important feature. Great, Keith. This has been a great discussion. I think many providers hold systematic reviews and meta-analyses in high esteem, but they do come with their limitations. Thank you for sharing these interesting findings from this article and for providing our listeners with this information. So that's all the time we have for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Dr. Katie Monte. It is a product of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, a branch of the Research Portfolio Management Division under the Research and Engineering Directorate of the Defense Health Agency, led by Branch Chief Captain Scott Coda, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode.